The COVID pandemic is a health crisis that has already affected Kansas schools by closing them through the end of this semester. Now the economic fallout is threatening school budgets for Kansas as we look to next year. This is Mark Tallman, Associate Executive Director with the Kansas Association of School Boards. And in this presentation, we're going to talk about why the economics in Kansas are threatening school budgets and what possible cuts could mean to education in our state. Earlier this year, the Kansas legislature approved a budget for next year that would increase K-12 state aid by over $117 million. But new state revenue estimates released last month showing the potential impact of the closing down of the state economy due to social distancing and other measures indicate that that budget would result in a deficit in the state general fund of over $650 million next year. Because K-12 state aid is over half of the state general fund budget, it's likely that could have a major impact on school funding. It's clear that federal aid could help, but right now it is not clear that any money already approved could be used to replace that lost revenue. Governor Laura Kelly is calling on the uh, Congress and members of our congressional delegation from Kansas to support increased funding or flexibility to let that happen. That's also been endorsed by the State Board of Education and many organizations, including KASB, but no decision has been made yet at the federal level. So here are the key points we want to review. Right now, it seems clear that the choice is either increased federal aid or deep state budget cuts. Most school funding comes from the state, and most state funding that schools receive goes to teaching and student support. So any cuts in state funding will likely have a big impact on students. Most school funding also goes to personnel. So cuts will increase unemployment in the state and further income loss. And finally, any cuts in school funding will raise constitutional concerns. If the legislature or governor have to make cuts, where would those be made? Well, we don't know that, but we can look at where state general fund money now goes. And the biggest portion of the state general fund goes to support K-12 education. In 2020, or I'm sorry, 2019, the, the last year that we have actual uh, data approved in the year over, 52% of state general fund expenditures went to K-12 education. Another 11% went to higher education, the universities, community colleges, technical colleges. 26% of the state general fund went to human services. Uh, these include, and one of the largest parts is the uh, match the state makes for Medicaid payments, for medical services for low-income Kansans. It also includes funding for state hospitals, state health programs, foster care services, Basically, all of those services aimed at the poor or the sick or the aging fall into that category. About 6% of general fund spending goes to public safety. Think of the prison system within the state. And the only remaining amount is in a category all other, which is only 5% of the state general fund. So it's extremely difficult to address the state general fund if you don't want to address K-12 education, if you don't want to address higher education, if you don't want to address human services or cut human services, and if you don't want to open prisons, uh, you don't have much left. That's why, generally speaking, when the legislature has to make deep cuts in the general fund, they fall uh, in some way across the board, or they have to fall higher on the areas that are not being targeted. 
By the way, having 50% of the state general fund going to K-12 education uh, is nothing new. In fact, if you go all the way back to the mid-1990s, half the state general fund has gone to school district, state aid, and other programs. A transition occurred when the state made the decision to have the state play a larger role in school funding to hold down property taxes across the state and to provide more equalized school funding. Based on current estimates, a relatively equal cut in programs supported by the state general fund to close the projected deficit could result in cutting K-12 state aid by nearly $400 million. Let's look at why. The approved spending in next year's budget, which is fiscal year 2021, is a little over $8 billion. If you subtract money for human service caseloads, which again is basically the money that Kansas has to match to draw down much more federal aid uh, for programs, uh, medical programs for the needy, leaves about $6.7 billion of discretionary spending. With a projected deficit next year of about $653 million, that would require a reduction in everything other than caseloads of around 9.8%. The major K-12 aid programs, most of the money provided to K-12 education, is a little over $4 billion. Multiplying that by 9.8% is $395 million. Now, again, there's no guarantee how this would happen, if it would be that deep, could be more, could potentially be less, but that would be an example of the type of cut that might be necessary to uh, address the deficit currently projected. Any reductions in state aid will likely have a big impact on Kansas schools because most of their money comes from the state. Last year, 2019, which is the last year we have uh, full accounting uh, results for, uh, school districts spent a total of about $6.7 billion. State aid accounted for almost $4.4 billion of that, about two-thirds. Federal aid was a little over $500 million, and all local revenues, local property taxes, fees, and all other sources of income were about $1.8 billion. The fact that Kansas schools rely very heavily on state aid is different than most other states. Looking at national data from 2017, which is the last year we have comparable information for all states, Kansas provided over $12,000 per total headcount student. That's actually below the national average, which was over 14000 But in Kansas, state funding was over $8,000 per pupil, whereas the national average was about 6700 On the other hand, Kansas only relies uh, on local sources for about $3,500, whereas the national average is 6400 Kansas receives a little over $1,000 per pupil in federal aid. The national average is just a little bit higher. So again, compared to other states, Kansans are more likely to see an impact, a bigger impact on school budgets if state aid is reduced because they have fewer other sources of revenue. Of the $6.7 billion in total school spending in 2019, the vast majority goes directly to teaching students and programs supporting students and teachers. 
53% of total dollars went to the area of classroom instruction, teachers, paras, support personnel, and classroom teachers. Then a number of other areas that support students and teachers all received 3 to 4% of total spending. These include student support, like counselors and nurses, speech pathologists. It includes instructional support staff, which are librarians, uh, technology, educational technology support, functions of that nature, student transportation, food service to provide students breakfast and lunches, um, and school administration, providing direction to teachers, providing discipline and other programs at the school level. Um, about 22% of total spending essentially went to build and operate school buildings. 10% was spent on debt service to pay off school construction bonds. About 9% went for operations and maintenance, which would be utilities and custodial costs. And about 3% on actual school district uh, construction uh, and facilities acquisition. Less than 5% was spent on general administration and central services. It's important to remember that most state aid goes to school district operating costs, which include instructional programs. Most teacher salaries, building operating costs, and other programs are funded from the school district general fund, local option budget, and special education state aid. Of those programs, about 86% of all funding comes from the state, and that includes the 20 mil statewide property tax. Only the local share of local option budgets, a little over $600 million, is used to fund that larger portion of the budget, which is almost $4.5 billion. On the other hand, facility construction and debt service costs rely much more heavily on local revenue sources, primarily property taxes, which account for about $573 million of these program costs, capital outlay state aid, and capital improvement state aid for bonds and interest programs are less than $300 million of these costs. The point of all this is that if school districts receive cuts in state aid, it will inevitably fall heavily on those programs affecting students. Districts won't have any choice because that's the way the school finance program work. And there's a lot of reason to believe that this would be the worst time to have cuts in school funding that would affect students because their needs will likely be even greater next year. Here's some of the reasons why. First of all, we know that students will have lost almost 25% of their in-person classroom support time this year. Even though school districts are trying to provide services through what's called continuous learning, about a quarter of the year in terms of being in a classroom with a teacher and other support has been lost. Those students that are already struggling even before this are likely to have the most difficulty under the continuous learning plans simply because they won't have the type of strong teacher support hour by hour, day by day that they could have if they were attending school. We also know that an estimated 70,000 Kansas students lack reliable and sustainable internet service, and even some efforts to provide that support this spring may not be available as we move into next year. These students then have not even had the opportunity for the kind of day-to-day -day interaction online that other students have had. This is particularly difficult in trying to provide individualized special education. 
The whole point of special education services is that some children need more specific help that often takes more specialized personnel. It's simply more difficult to try to do this in an online format or simply sending learning home. There's also deep concern that students are getting less mental health and counseling support precisely at a time that family needs are increasing and real worries that there is less access for students with the highest risk to school services. For example, fewer people being able to look out for possible signs of children in need of care or child abuse. Finally, this economic uh, recession that, that is in the making will likely lead to a spike in poverty and all educational research shows a strong correlation between family income and student academic success. In other words, the students whose home conditions will make it harder to learn now face the possibility of less support through the school system. What this all means is that cuts in state funding affecting school district budgets will likely have a damaging impact on Kansas students and their families. But in addition to that, reducing school funding will likely further worsen the state's employment and uh, income loss problem for Kansans because most school funding goes to pay people. 50% of all school district uh, spending in 2019 went to pay salaries of district employees and another 15% went to benefits like health insurance and retirement contributions. 12% went to purchase services, basically contracts with other entities who hire people to do things for the school district, whether construction contracts, uh, special education services, bus services, etc. About 12% of funding goes to property and supplies, basically expenditures for things that school districts need to operate. But each of those purchases are also economic uh, have economic consequences by Kansas businesses that provide them. About 11% of total funding is debt service and of course this is something that in the short run can't be changed because it's debt that has already been incurred. Therefore cutting school spending will further create economic problems for the state of Kansas. Finally any cuts in school funding and school budgets will likely raise constitutional issues as a result of the school finance litigation that the state has been involved with, the so-called Gannon School Finance case. School districts were hoping for stable funding over the next few years after the state adopted a plan to address the issues in that case. The legislature had put together a six-year plan to restore funding to 2009 levels after adjusting for inflation based on cost studies. The legislature had approved base state aid increases through 2023 and automatic inflation adjustments after that. Also approved were plans to provide equalization aid for the local option budget, capital outlay, and bond and interest state aid programs to avoid differences in taxes that would raise equity questions. All of this funding was included for next year in the budget already approved by the state legislature. Changing these will raise issues for the Kansas Supreme Court, which has ruled repeatedly that constitutional funding must be both adequate and equitable. There are two ways that cuts in school funding could trigger constitutional concerns. The first is base state aid per pupil. 
Base state aid per pupil is a flat amount received by all districts for each actual student that they enroll, and then an additional amount for every weighted student, which is basically designed to say if you have programs with higher costs, you receive additional money. If base state aid per pupil were reduced, all districts would be affected proportionately. They'd lose the same amount or the same percent per weighted pupil. What it would mean is that it would delay funding toward getting back to the level that state cost studies have said are necessary to meet state educational goals. And it would happen at a time when, as we've stu seen, student needs are likely increasing. The other area for potential cuts that would raise concerns of the court would be in local option budget, capital outlay, and bond and interest state aid. Under these programs, lower wealth districts receive more state aid uh, because they have less taxable wealth. Higher wealth districts, in terms of taxable property, receive less uh, state aid under these programs, or at the highest end, they receive no state aid at all. That means cuts in these programs would fall disproportionately on lower wealth, wealth districts. They'd have to raise local taxes more or fall behind in funding. And the Kansas Supreme Court has said wealth-based disparities are unconstitutional. Unlike a decade ago, after the Montoy School Finance case, the Kansas Supreme Court has retained jurisdiction over the Gannon case. That means that if plaintiffs wanted to challenge any cuts in these areas, it could go directly to the Supreme Court for review. We don't know how the court might rule if the uh, cuts were caused by the economic fallout from the COVID crisis, but it means the court would more quickly be able to review legislative action and make a decision about what it means for constitutional educational funding in Kansas. We hope this has been informational. If you have any questions about the issues, feel free to contact me, Mark Tallman, at KASB, or others on our staff, and we'll get back to you as we can. Thank you.